we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. book lovers welcome to a very special episode of kiwi and the bird book nerds in session i'm taylor i'm kami and in today's episode we are very excited and proud to announce a special guest jenna voris who will be interviewing about her debut novel made of stars jenna voris writes books about ambitious girls and galaxy traversing adventures she was born and raised in indiana where she learned to love roundabouts and the art of college basketball and now calls washington dc home when she's not writing, she can be found perfecting her road trip playlist and desperately trying to keep her houseplants alive. Made of Stars is her debut. Now, as Made of Stars is coming out March 28th, 2023, we're going to keep this episode as non-spoiler as possible. But we will be talking about Jenna Voris and her craft, her fabulous characters and story, as well as some fun questions at the end of the episode. Let's welcome our guest, Jenna Voris. Hi, Jenna. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. Um, but you did a great job with the intro. Uh, like you said, my name is Jenna Voris. Um, I am a YA author. My debut is coming out in March, and it's called Made of Stars, and it's a Bonnie and Clyde retelling in space. You had us at Bonnie and Clyde in space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tay I was and like, I, genius line. Tay and I uh, read the book, and we both really liked it. Like, oh, yes. It really like held our thank attention. You. Literally out of this world. Literally. Wow, that's the new tagline. (laughs) We're going there. We're making the puns tonight. (laughs) I love it. Now, we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. So tell us, uh, what was your favorite book as a child? I was a big Percy Jackson girly in middle school. I feel like a lot of us were. Um, Before that, I was really into like those chapter books. I really loved Secrets of Droon. I really loved Nancy Drew. I really loved like anything that had a unicorn in it. Like I was going to read because I was a really big horse girl in elementary school and early middle school, uh, which I don't know translated into what I write now, but it was a really good time. And I think informed a lot of my personality. My goodness, horse girls unite. I am a horse girl too. (laughs) I am not. So I do not understand. Kimmy's always like, I don't understand your horse girl thing. What's going on there? I'm like, I I don't get it either. It's a, it's a choice. No. I just think that you're at, when you turn 12 years old, you are just automatically gifted like a horse girl gene and you wake up and one day you're just like, I need to be a member of the saddle club. And that's what happens. It's the first step to puberty is deciding whether yeah. or not you're a horse girl. Yeah, it is the first step. No, I think I went in a little different direction, but that's okay. Now, was there a moment and or event in your life that helped you decide that you wanted to become an author? I honestly didn't really know that being an author was a job that normal people could have. Like I was a really big reader as a child, but I never really considered that as like a viable career path. I just kind of thought they just like books just existed and came down from the sky and I read them. Um, But I also was never really like 
super good at any other school subjects. So I was always like writing little stories that like now I realize were like fan fiction or like very plagiarized versions of my favorite <laughs> books. Um, so when I went to college, I studied journalism because that felt like a writing topic that I could like use to make money. Um, and I found the whole thing like terribly boring because if you're a beat reporter, like your only job is to like report the news. You're not supposed to embellish, obviously not. Like that's why we need unbiased journalism. Um, but I was just so bored the entire time. So I just started writing like little stories in class. And that's like where I started writing the, um, my first book that I ever wrote was in my journalism class. So shout out to my professor for not failing me. <laughs> You're like, where are the unicorns in journalism? Right. If I, if I had a beat that was like the unicorn beat, I think I would have uh, stuck with it a bit longer. <laughs> I love that. That's actually crazy that you're in journalism. We were in journalism too for quite a bit in high school. I was there yeah. for like a semester. <laughs> you were out of there <laughs> after. I'm not a writer. <laughs> it's not for everyone. It's not. It wasn't for me. So there we go. <laughs> now, as a Star Wars fan myself, I'm so curious about how you got into science fiction. Have you always been a fan of sci-fi? I just think there's something like really distressing about the open void of endless space like it really gets you like existential and like it really makes you think about your life I don't think I ever like sat down and be like I'm going to write a sci-fi right now I don't think that ever really crossed my path it just really seemed like when I was writing the story like it needed to take place somewhere like big and spectacular and that is just kind of what happened when it came together you wanted to fill the void I did. The void of space. <laughs> what a relatable moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to fill the void? Right? Exactly. Books fill my personal void, so yes. very appreciative of that. Now, as we have to talk about Made of Stars, Taylor's going to start with a quick synopsis, and then we'll discuss the main characters. The key is if I can properly read. That's always the question. <laughs> Made of Stars is a YA sci-fi adventure that tells the story of three individuals. Shane Mannix and Ava Castor, who are two lethally charming criminals set on making headlines, even when it involves unveiling government plots, and Cyrus Blake, the determined lieutenant who is set on capturing them at first. Until the secrets Shane and Ava are aiming to expose make him question everything he knows. With breathtaking characters, criminal rebellions, and romances that go supernova, Made of Stars challenges you to find which side of the law you're on and how far you're willing to go for what you want. As said, Made of Stars is told through three different perspectives, which we'd love to go into. Uh, the first, Shane Mannix, is a stone-cold leader who likes flashy heist and giving orders, while also battling recent traumas and his risky feelings for a particular partner. In writing Shane Jenna, uh, what inspired the foundations for his character? He's very relatable in that he has flaws, but he stays very understandable um, and very likable. Uh, did you plan for that backstory and personality or did those qualities kind of come to shape as you wrote the story? Um, I was lucky, I think, in this instance where I had a lot of historical context and like real life situations and people to pull from. So I did a lot of research um, into like Bonnie and Clyde. And even though a lot of it did not actually end up on page just because it didn't really serve the story that you're trying to tell. Um, like in real life, Clyde Barrow came from like this very poor family and he was doing a lot of crimes in order to provide for his family. And he was like in and out of jail. Um, and then he was sent to this like very terrible Texas prison farm. And then when he got out, the motives for like doing these crimes switched from providing for his family and into more of like vengeance about the people who put him in jail in the first place. And I just think that's like a really interesting place to start as a character. I think it's like compelling. I think it's 
interesting and fun. Um, so that's like where I started the story specifically. And then as the story developed, it became less about pulling from historical context and more about like, this is a new character who is like his own person in this kind of story. And how would he react to the situations that are being put in front of him now? I also just think teenage boys are like really bad at communication. Um, so like, <laughs> there's like, there's literally no world in which he would like ever tell his feelings to the person that he likes. Oh, never. Like that has mm-hmm. been my experience as well. That's when you know yeah. a book is accurate. <laughs> I just have to say though, I had the biggest crush on Shane. <laughs> we love a bad boy. I feel like the YA girlies who grew up in like the 2012 era of like yeah. dystopian YA where we always had like the love triangle and one of them was a bad boy and one of them was a nice boy. And those were like the only two archetypes of a love interest that you could have. Um, this is for us. <laughs> <laughs> this is for those girls, the love triangle. Yeah. Girls. <laughs> Specifically, it's always like the bad boy was the second lead. So it was nice to see him as like, mm-hmm. you know, the main the main love interest. He's getting the spotlight this time. The spotlight he deserves. Exactly. Exactly. But I love the research that you went into for his character. And how how long would you say that took you to do all that research to kind of begin the foundations, presumably, for this book? Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I was a big fan of the uh, of Jeremy Jordan and the 2011 uh, Bonnie and Clyde Broadway musical. So I like knew the songs and I was like, this is fun, um, but it's very historically inaccurate. So when I was writing the book, I was like, oh, you know, like the musical. And then I went back there and was like, actually, it's nothing like the musical. <laughs> like it was really fun. I read this like I read a bunch of biographies right at the beginning. And then based on like what pieces I wanted to pull into the book, like I read this like I did not need to read a 200 page book on the Texas prison system, but like I, it was, I needed to do it in order to like inform the world that I was building. Um, I watched a lot of movies and then now this knowledge just lives in my brain for like weird trivia nights. Like most of it is not in the book, but again, I don't think I actually could have written the book unless I had that background and the foundation of like what I was pulling from. You're like, if there's any question regarding Texas prison systems, I'm your Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about like the economic situation in 1930s Dallas? Because I got you, baby. <laughs> I am prepped and ready to go on that topic. <laughs> no one's ever asked me, but like I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> that is an icebreaker just like waiting to come out. Right? Yeah, like a first date, like, hey, have you ever wondered? <laughs> Let's say Have you ever thought about the Great Depression and its effects on the people of Dallas, Texas? <laughs> In Made of Stars, of course, we also meet Ava Castor, the charming and cunning girl who's willing to risk it all for fame. She's loyal and lethal and might enjoy getting into trouble a little too much. With a story with such memorable main characters, how did you want Ava to stand out? How did you create the perfect balance between a sci-fi badass while also conveying a very genuine character? Yeah. Um, I think that it also comes from I knew who my audience was. I knew it was YA. And I knew that when I was a teenager, sometimes I would read books with like teenage girls as protagonists and feel like I felt nothing like them. Like they were so competent or like so wise or so like beautiful and good at talking to like their love interest. And I think that's actually something that YA has gotten like very good about. Like, I think there's, you can look around and there's so many like complicated, interesting YA female protagonists. And I wanted to add to that. Like, I like the fact that she is like very driven, obviously she's very competent and like good at what she does, but she's also like selfish and like 
bad at communicating as well because she's 17 years old and has these like big dreams that will probably never happen for her but like she really believes in them and like that's a big driving force for her character yeah Ava I think out of all the characters like really stood out to me and I was always really looking forward to her perspectives because I was just like she there's just something very charming about her and just like how well-rounded her character is yeah she always she had like that unpredictable sense that made her a little wild but then she did have that sensitivity where I'm like, I feel for you. I understand why you want to do what you want to do and who you want to be and why you're willing to risk it all for a little bit of fame. You know, it is like that perfect connection to the audience where you are writing for teenagers. And so I think Ava is that perfect depiction of kind of what a teenager in space would be like, who also wants to steal things. <laughs> I also yeah. just... For me, like when I read it, I was like, I want to be able to just like be a distraction and cry on cry on command that would be great right like she's so me for real like (laughs) I also feel like I'm not allowed to pick like favorite POV characters like I can't pick like a favorite child but she is like definitely I think like the real heart of the story and there is also that interesting element of like are we gonna kiss or like is she gonna stab you and I think that that (laughs) keeps it keeps it real finally we have Cyrus Blake the moral and self-critical rule follower who just graduated from the academy with the highest honors. He has conflicting feelings not only about the government, but also for his handsome academic rival. While Shane and Ava are intergalactic criminals, Cyrus is a law enforcement. What do you believe is Cyrus's most important personality trait, and how does that trait mold who he is in the story? And what was your thought process when writing the same events from the opposing viewpoint slash slides? Yeah, I think something really important for me is that I never wanted it to be like a, um, like both sides are correct or like a both sides have a point kind of book. Like his side is like very clearly wrong. And I like wanted the reader to know that from the beginning, even if Cyrus didn't know that from the beginning. And I think that like for him, his most important trait is this like very innate ability to know like what is right and what is wrong. And if he feels like something is wrong, like trying to figure out how to fix it. Um, But it was really interesting because you do get to see the same events kind of from both sides. So you get to kind of experience the action with Ava and Shane. And then we get to see how the people are reacting to it on Cyrus's side of things, which a lot of the time doesn't line up with what uh, we as a reader have experienced in the other chapters, Um, which I think is interesting because then you have Cyrus who is going through this whole thing being like, am I like being gaslit right now? Like what is going on? And I, I wanted that to be like the main driving force of his character. You can definitely see that um, when you're reading in his perspective. I think for me with Cyrus, I was just like, oh, my sweet little baby boy. (laughs) Protect him. Yeah. I did have somebody ask me which character I would be most like. And I was like, here's the thing. I want to say Ava like so badly. But in reality, I am absolutely Cyrus because I am so anxious and also just like intimidated by either cute, sarcastic boys or like tall women in pantsuits. And I would not do well in this situation. (laughs) I was saying the exact same thing. I'm like, I want to be Ava. But I'm Cyrus. Not to say that I'm I'm a rule follower. I don't like right. to get oh. in trouble. I don't like to disappoint people. And we I got like anxiety. You got anxiety. You know, mm-hmm. like there's all those stressing factors involved. And the fact that Cyrus wanted to prove himself too, I'm like, oh my goodness, is Cyrus me? Am I Cyrus right now? This yeah, Siri play This Is Me Trying by Taylor Swift <laughs> on repeat all the time. 24 mm-hmm. 7. I think what I liked most uh about Cyrus's perspective was also just that Meta Stars is the Bonnie and Clyde retelling kind of like in space, as you previously mm-hmm. said. Um, but I think it's interesting that we got both like a Shane and Ava's kind of side of it, but then we also get Cyrus and like 
in a book like this, you would typically just see Shane and Ava's perspective. So I really liked that there were like three that kind of like rounded out the whole story. The law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It, I was always going to have three POVs. Like there was never a book that, that didn't have them. Like he was always there from the beginning. I didn't know like in what capacity, but I also knew that like events would occur in which I needed to have like another POV to uh, narrate things. <laughs> yeah. To kind of bring things full circle. <laughs> yeah. It's like not all of us are criminals. <laughs> There has to be at least one person who doesn't want to There's do There's one crime. person who has like followed a, a rule once in his life. That's the thing about this book though. I'm like, crime kind of sounds fun. I don't know if I should crime say is that. Crime like a little sexy. A, right? It's charming. Yeah. I'm like, my goodness, will I go up in status if I do crime? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that's about, apparently that's how you find dates. So. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now let's move on to setting. Made of Stars is an action-packed space adventure inspired by Bonnie of Clyde, of course. It has not only fascinating characters, but settings as well, from the strict and enforcing planet Opia to the frozen deserts of Nakara. With this in mind, how did you go about creating unique planets like Opia and Nakara and the politics that divide them, as well as the spacey action and thrilling heist scenes? I feel like this is an excuse to talk about my 1930s Great Depression Dallas background knowledge now because that's really like where it came from. Um, it was a lot of pulling from a Great Depression setting and especially in Dallas, like the suburbs of Dallas um, actually formed because during the Great Depression, um, all of there was like a bunch of um, dust storms because of the Industrial Revolution. So a lot of the farmlands had been stripped of trees. So there are a bunch of dust storms now, which was really not great for crops. So farmers would come into the city to search for work. And um, especially in like places like Texas, the, they would like set up like camps and little suburbs and subdivisions outside of the city because there just like simply was not enough room for them in the city center. And that's like, if you look at a map of Dallas, that's like kind of how the suburbs are set up. Um, but you had like these people coming into a city, you had people who already lived in a city who were like, nobody is allowed to come in here. And then you had the United States government who was providing for some of the people, but also not providing for the people who really needed it the most. Um, and I thought that was like a really interesting, also as someone who's lived through multiple economic depressions at this point in her life, I was like, that's relatable. I can totally see how you can be someone who is like, I have literally no other option, but to like do crime right now. Like it's either this or my family is not eating dinner. And that's like, that was the reality for a lot of people during this time. Um, so pulling from like that Great Depression background was just like a lot of desperation and a lot of people not really knowing like what came next and not a lot of communication from the government and not a lot of assistance in any way. Um, so that was like a big inspiration behind the setting and just like the scope of the world. Wow, just hearing that was so satisfying. One, because we fulfilled the the Dallas quota yes. with the historical yeah. side. Mm-hmm. Like we foreshadowed it appropriately. <laughs> yeah, we it, it was built it was building up to this. This was the most important mm-hmm. question in this series. Um, mm-hmm. But I also loved hearing how you described that, and then having read the story, seeing how that translated, how do you how you made it futuristic, how you took those problems in the past, but then still made them important and relatable in a far off future too. 
that's just so clever the way that you did that. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like I like hearing that and also having read the book, like I I knew like the the book is also just very grounded in its world building. Um, but like hearing like where it came from, like and like seeing it compared side to side, like it really like elevates it. And I'm like, yes, I can see where this is this and like it just feels like very set. Yeah, I can see all the pieces linking together yes. and I feel like those memes are, are like you know, it's that's what I'm doing that right now. Yeah, it's like what tastes it's very satisfying. <laughs> I do also feel like when it comes to sci-fi, I have like two brain cells. So I personally would not be able to create like this beautiful sweeping world with like multiple planets and multiple cities. Like I needed to have locations that I was like, this is a thing that is grounded in reality or like grounded in character. And like I need that for my brain to work in like a sci-fi setting. And the people who like do like I read Gideon the Ninth a few weeks ago and I was like what is like this makes no sense to me but I'm obsessed with it I love it I could never do this um 10 out of 10 relatable simply not for me (laughs) (laughs) previously you did mention that you did kind of go into a lot of research and like you read a bunch of books and movies um that kind of like came together to when you were writing this book um were there are there any in particular that you just want to like shout out and be like Yes, you are you. Thank you. You're number one. Oh, the first biography that I ever, that I read was like an actual Bonnie and Clyde biography written by a historian that was called Go Down Together. I literally still have it with like all of my notes and like my sticky tabs. Um, so that was definitely like very influential for just like knowing what was going on. Um, there was a Netflix movie that also came out right when I started writing the first draft that was called The Highwaymen. And it was um, a Bonnie and Clyde story, but it was from the perspective of the uh, Texas Rangers and the government who was hunting them down. So that was interesting. Um, if you're looking for like other, just like silly little references that I slipped in there, there's a lot of uh, Taylor Swift lyrics that ended up in the uh, the final draft. Um, Getaway Car was a really big one. So keep an eye out for that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna tag Taylor Swift in this. We're gonna say read this book. It's for you. <laughs> Taylor Swift blurb my book. I promise you like it. <laughs> it has your lyrics in it so it's a, it's naturally a winner. Automatically. Yeah I feel like I legally can't say that her lyrics are in it um, but the the idea is there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna go back and read the book again just like listen to Taylor Swift at the same time. Just, and I'm gonna have the lyrics up too so I'm reading like, them both at the same mm-hmm. time. <laughs> Now, of course, we've mentioned many of the names are in this book. We know we have Shane Mannix and Ava Castor and Cyrus Blake. So how did you create these names that are not only recognizable, but they also have that spacey edge? Like what inspired the names and the location names for this book? I was like dreading this question because it's not going to be like a fun or creative answer. And it's because I am not fun or creative when it comes to names. Like whatever my brain picks first is just what's going to happen. So the only names that I like had any sort of qualifications for is that I needed, I wanted Ava and Shane, like I wanted Ava Caster to like sound like Bonnie Parker or like I wanted the names to sound similar, Mm. just like to me, everyone else. I was like, who are you going to be? And I learned very early on that I can't do placeholder names because I gave Jared a placeholder name, just like in the first chapter. Cause I didn't know who he was going to be as a character. I was like, I'll come back to him later. Um, I, it was like literally just like a one-off reference. And then five chapters later, I was like, I can't change it. Now I'm attached. And now everyone who reads Made of Stars like loves Jared. And I'm like, that was, ne- he was never meant to exist. I'm so sorry <laughs> to break this to you. My bad. Um, honestly, like Shane exists as a name because I was watching Camp Rock 
the week uh, that I started drafting this and Joe Jonas's character is named Shane Gray. And I was like, that's a fun name. So uh, that's in there. Yeah. Okay. This has to be the funnest question. I think out of the bunch, that answer is easily my favorite answer. I had honestly thought that you chose the name Shane um, because of that character in A Walk to Remember. Oh, the, I've the never seen a walk to remember. Oh. It's either the main, the main, the the lead, the male lead. Um, it's either his name's Landon or Shane. It's one of those the actor's name, the character. The same thing. So I was literally like, one of the questions I just had in the back of my head when I was reading Made of Stars was, did she take this name from a walk to remember? And the fact no, I took it from Camp Rock, <laughs> the Disney Channel original movie. The fact that he took it from Camp Rock makes it so much better. Yeah. He also got like a double, like Shane got a double reference name. Like, do you know the musical Six? Yes. Oh, you do? Yes. I don't. Okay. There's like, <laughs> there's like one song where one of the queens from Six mentions a character, Henry Mannix. And I, again, I was listening to the cast album when I was writing the first draft. So I was like, that's a fun last name. And I put it in there. And again, because I've never seen this name written out before. I've only heard it in a cast recording, spelled it very wrong, but um, now it lives on forever in Made of Stars. I have to ask though, do you know the Camp Rock chant then? If Shane is inspired by Camp Rock. Camp Rock. Yeah, of course. And the little do do with the drumsticks. Oh my God. Camp Rock was like very influential to my middle school years. Oh, easily formed at least half of my personality at this Mm -hmm. point. I wanted to be Demi Lovato so badly. Oh my goodness. I'd always try to sing her songs. I'm like, I'm feeling it, Demi. I'm you. I know. Let's move on to the writing style. What we also enjoyed about the book was the writing style in that you get the breadth and the fun of the sci-fi genre in the story, but it's written in such a way that it's very accessible and very easy to understand. Without giving too much away, what was your favorite scene to write? I feel like my favorite scene to write is a spoiler, but if it's not like a specific scene, I do like a bunch of scenes like where the characters just get to like interact and like they're not you know, in a life or death situation and then you can just kind of like hang out with each other. I think those are always fun because those are good, good character building moments too. I think my favorite um, scene of the whole book was actually just right at the beginning. I believe it's the second chapter where you kind of first establish uh, Shane and Ava's characters and you really get the sense of like the Bonnie and Clyde feel of the book. Um, I'm not going to give too much away, but like the, the, the whole sequence of that scene was just incredibly entertaining and I was just like completely gripped by it and it like it really like grabs you into the story thank you that was actually the first chapter that I wrote and it basically like stayed the same throughout this whole process nothing else has but like the first few chapters did yeah it was so alluring and so seductive I was like who knew prison could be so hot you know (laughs) do I want to go to prison now (laughs) with that the next question we're asking is one that Kami came up with and I loved it so much because I felt like it made made of stars so tantalizing so there are two romances in your story that are filled with electric tension. What would be your advice for writing multiple romances with discernible differences like you did in your book? Ooh, I think romance goes back to character. And usually if I'm figuring out character, I like to know obviously what they want because that's driving the story. But I also like to know like what every character is afraid of because I think that that influences how they interact with other people and it also influences how like how they do the things that they do in order to progress the plot um so like Shane for example is like very afraid of like ending up like his family and never amounting to anything but then also after getting out of 
prison, he's very afraid of like hurting the people around him or having the, like, his friends go through that as well, which means that like any interaction he would have with Ava would be like, that is something that's going to be in the forefront of his mind. And that's going to like color every interaction that they have, which is why it probably takes so long for them to ever get together in the first place. I think that like knowing your characters is instrumental in to developing any sort of romantic relationship because you need to know how they would interact with each other in order to have any sort of relationship. And you also need those little disconnections too, where it's like those fears that you're mentioning that are, that are keeping them apart, that are kind of making the romance slow burn, you know, it's building up the tension, building up the connections, but the pull, Mm -hmm. uh, what do we call it? The pull and the push and pull? Push and pull. Push and pull, where it's just bringing them back together, but there's just always something that they have to tackle within themselves that makes it extra, both aggravating, but also pleasing to uh, to have that tension. The the romance between Cyrus and Lark, though, like, I'm like the secondhand embarrassment where it was like flashback to high school. I'm like, (laughs) no, I can't go through this again. Jamie had a few uh, school rivals herself, so maybe you relate a little bit more. I related a little bit, just a little (laughs) bit. Yeah. Do you ever, like, hate someone so much that you just, like, want to kiss them a little bit? Yes. Yes, that has absolutely (laughs) happened to me very recently (laughs) in a Korean dating reality show. It's a whole story. You are living your YA protagonist's life. (laughs) You are the main character. You're the main character. Oh, my gosh. I've always wanted to be. (laughs) That's amazing. Now, were there any significant changes made to your story from the first draft to the final draft? Um, Yes, literally so many. Um, So I wrote this book and I knew when I was going in, I knew like what the beginning was. I knew the midpoint, I knew the ending. I like wrote all of it. And then I did um, author mentor match, which was a mentorship program that pairs aspiring writers with authors who are already published or agented. So I did a revision with my mentor um, and then queried again. Um, and then I did a revision with my agent and then I did a really big rewrite revision with my editor. Um, and each time I had to completely rewrite Cyrus's POV. It just like, we were almost there every single time. He was my problem child of this book. The other two were living their best lives. And I was like, he has to go through so much, not only like personal growth, but also like information that the reader has to know. So I did rewrite his chapters the most out of everyone. The problem child becomes the perfect child, you know, because they do get so much attention, right? Good. I'm glad. Yeah. (laughs) That's, uh, I always do wonder just with the revisioning process, how many times you do have to go through it. So it's very interesting to hear that you did have the mentorship, but then also the agent and the editor as well. That's just, I feel like that's a very thorough process and also very interesting to hear as a reader. Sometimes you think, oh, it must have been just one draft and it must have just instantly sold, but there's so much work and time and rewriting and you know trying to tighten things up and so many steps that goes into it that it's yeah I do so... also think that like this was not the first book I ever wrote but it was the first book that I wrote like in order to pursue publication and also the first book that like I thought had a chance of publication so it was a lot of me learning how like story structure worked and learning like what things were actually compelling and what things should go where in the story um so I would like to hope that in the future I don't have to do like four really big rounds of like developmental edits we'll see I'll keep you I'll keep you posted I think some (laughs) stories just like require more than others um but this one for sure was a lot about like teaching myself how to write a book yeah for sure nailing down the basics and the pacing and definitely let us know about the draft updates though you can just send an email (laughs) that just says send help draft 893 (laughs) 
Yeah, that feels right. Speaking of the writing process and the revisions and the editing and such, what's your favorite part of your own writing process? Is it the creation? Is it the writing it down? Is it the development? Is it the 89,000 drafts afterward? (laughs) What's your favorite part? I actually do. Contrary to, I think, what I was just saying, I do really like revisions um, because I think when you have drafting, I usually have to like pull myself to the finish line with a draft. Just like the, the blank page can be so intimidating. And also, I think every time you start a new book, you just like forget how to write a book. Um, but if you're in revisions, you're like, oh, I've already written this. So it is possible for me to do it again. And I also love like the moment you're in revisions where you get a note or you get something and you're like, oh, that's how it was supposed to be this whole time. And it just kind of clicks and you can like move the pieces around. And then you're like, oh my God, that was a reference to this. And like, this is foreshadowing now. And it's just like all of the little tiny plot threads that you get to pull together in like your later revisions that you don't get to do in a first draft because you're just like worried about getting the words on the page. You're like, it only took six mental breakdowns and just a few crying sessions, but we got there. We made it eventually. (laughs) (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, did you have any evil author moments while writing this book? Meaning you wrote something you knew would pain or aggravate readers, but still laughed as you included it. I hope so. I mean, I'm not like a particularly like emotional person, like while I'm writing, like I think because I just like am in the zone so much. So like, there were things where I would write it and be like, oh, like, I hope this is emotionally resonant. Or like, I hope this comes across the way that I want it to. But like, in the middle of it, you have no idea. So that's been like my favorite part as of right now is hearing people's reactions to things and being like, oh my god, okay, it did work. Like, that's really exciting. I just totally blew apart your emotions. <laughs> yeah, got you, baby. <laughs> no, it must be so satisfying, though, to see those things come to fruition and get live reactions. I mean, I imagine with a book that it's just such a in-your-head process that to see it come, see people read it, just must be so satisfying. Oh, yeah. It's especially because I wrote the first draft of this book in summer of 2019. So by the time it's published, it's going to be like three and a half, almost four years of me like just having the story and it's weird that other people are now reading it and that it's not just something that exists in my head and that sometimes people will say something and be like yeah like this is the character in your book and I'm like how do you know that and then I'm like oh yeah because like they can actually read it now <laughs> you're like did someone leak something <laughs> yeah I was like what's going on oh yeah if I was ever an author I think I would I would be the person that would like really find enjoyment and like writing a very painful scene and just like I'm I just want to see the fallout of this I want to see everyone get mad <laughs> yeah I know I get like I'm not like a super emotional person while I was writing but there was always like a point halfway no matter what draft I was literally from the beginning there was always like a point at the halfway point where I had to like stop and then like call my best friend and be like hey I love you so much like how are you doing and she'd be like oh my god are you like writing your book again I'd be like yes how did you know <laughs> So that was like my only emotional reaction. (laughs) With this next question, I've always been curious about how authors come up with their book titles. If it's something they do themselves or if it's uh, advice from an agent or something like that. So how did you choose the name Made of Stars? 
um, kind of similar to character names. I'm not great at titles, um, but Made of Stars has had the same title since I started querying it. So it never changed, which is really interesting because like my book two title, we changed um, with my editor and like the marketing team's feedback. Um, but with Made of Stars, it started, I originally wanted it to be uh, a title like from one of uh, Bonnie Parker's poems. Like I wanted to pull like a line from a poem, but they were all like so dramatic and so dark and they weren't like fitting with the, <laughs> the vibes of the book. So I was like, okay, we're going to scrap that. And then I also really love a title drop in the book. And I think during one of the drafts, there was like literally a line where Shane was like, we're all made of stars. I don't think he says that exactly anymore. Or like, I don't know if it's in the book anymore, but it was like a title drop in the first draft. So I think I was like, oh, it's stars, it's space. We'll like, we'll go with this. And in my mind though, I was like, because again, this book is never going to see the light of day. Or like, because I know so many people's titles change. If someone has a better idea, they will tell me. And no one told me to change it. And I think it's too late now. So it's called <laughs> Made of Stars Forever. You're like, I think it's starting to print. So I think we're yeah. good now. Like when we announced it, I was like, okay, does this mean like that's what it's called forever? I don't know. <laughs> You're like, no take backs? <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you sure? Do you think this is good? That's so hilarious because I really love the title. Yeah. I love that it's unique and that it obviously fits the sci-fi theme. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like reading this story kind of you feel it you feel the made of stars like you feel the the hope and the awe and the aspirations and so definitely a very satisfying title so very very good job yeah thank you I do I do like it I couldn't imagine it being called anything else yeah no I think it, it also fits just really well with like um thematic elements in the book while also like keep like it's just a very good title just keeping the sci-fi with like the actual story it's just to, to read Made of Stars, I was like, thank you. Like, this I was is like, look yes. how beautiful this is. Yeah. Appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Now, what, if anything, can you tell us about a potential sequel? Because not to spoil anything, but the ending kind of left us like, what? Like the author evil moment question was asked <laughs> with a purpose. Yes. That was. That oh, was, I see. Yes. That makes sense. Um, as of right now, it, there are no plans for a sequel. It is a standalone. Um, I would never say no. I do have like an idea or a plot that I would want to do. Um, but yeah, as of right now, it's, there's no plans for it. What if we slid you a $20 bill? Yeah. I don't know. You might have to slide a $20 bill to Mr. Penguin Random House. <laughs> see what, see what happens from there. They're like, what the heck is this? Just like send a very uh, passive aggressive email. Yeah. It would be great. <laughs> Now we're going to be finishing off the episode with some fun questions, which I am very curious and excited about uh, these answers, especially the first one, because I struggled Mm -hmm. with it personally. So when writing this story, what would what word did you misspell the most? Here's the thing. I cannot for the life of me spell the word lieutenant. And you know what? (laughs) Like if you're reading a normal book, you're like, that's not a word that you say a lot. Like that shouldn't be an issue for you. I made it an issue for myself. And every time I would type it, it would autocorrect. And every time I would type it, I think it was correct. It's not. And then sometimes I would type it so wrong that they would just have a little squiggly line underneath it. And I was continually humbled by Microsoft Word. (laughs) That's so funny because I was literally, when we were writing the script, I kept trying to write out Lieutenant. I was like, I cannot for the life of me spell this word. Kami's like, I'm pretty sure it's an E-U. And I'm like, why is it not, why is it spelled like, who made this decision? Who spelled it like this? That was on me, my bad. So, so sorry to myself and everyone else. The question is, do you know how to spell it now? Like, has it been ingrained in your head? I think I just misspell it so much that it automatically corrects. So I don't even know if right now I could spell it for you. (laughs) It's fine. Lieutenant has its origins in 
French, so we'll just blame just blame France. You should blame the French for most things, I think. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, what song do you feel best embodies your debut novel? Ooh, I do I do a lot of music. I don't like listen to music while I write, but I do have a playlist I have to listen to like 10 or 15 minutes before I want to write. So that way I like get in the vibes. Um, Getaway Car by Taylor Swift, obviously. Um, literally in the bridge. She's like, we were jet set Bonnie and Clyde. And I was like, she gets me. She knows, she knows what I'm about to do here. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of Taylor Swift. It was a lot of like angsty, like fallout boy panic at the disco, like old school. Um, there was a lot of like Royal Deluxe music on there. Yeah. That's a, that's the greatest playlist I've ever heard of. No, I was literally thinking it's gotta be a Taylor Swift song. It's, it's <laughs> it gotta be. Song unfortunately for me yeah I also love like the Star Wars instrumentals are really good because sometimes like I don't listen to music with words and I very rarely listen to like instrumentals at all but sometimes you need it for like the big action scenes um so like the Star Wars um like Rogue One instrumentals were really top-notch for this I love too that you listen to music before you write I've never heard that before I like how you kind of pre-game your writing I do I have to pre-game like as if it's like a song for a specific scene I will literally if I'm like walking or driving to a cafe or something to write I will put that on repeat for the entire walk or drive and then by the time I get there I'm like ah I'm ready (laughs) (laughs) we're good to go now (laughs) yeah now question three would you prefer your book to either be turned into a movie or a tv show I honestly, I have been rewatching um, She-Ra on Netflix, which is an animated TV show. And I was like, here's the thing. They do space animation so well. And I am not like, I don't watch a lot of animation, but I think that would be really cool. Like an animated TV series. Okay. Who do we pitch oh. this to? Who would we say? Yeah, right? made, made of stars, an animated TV show right now. An animated TV show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You never really think about like a book being turned into an animated series. You but. just think live action, just CGI, mm-hmm. just everything but I feel like this book would be so dazzling it as would. an animation I feel like you can do so many things there's so many great colors space explosions <laughs> I think it's I think it'd be great yeah we're gonna start a petition and we're gonna have everyone sign in <laughs> <laughs> petitions for life uh did you find yourself googling any hilarious questions for this book um I did have to google a lot about crime um because sometimes I would google something and then there would be like Legal, like one time I was like okay like how do you how are you cracking a safe and there are all these different ways about like how to like open your safe and I was like okay how do you crack a safe like illegally because I need to know how to do it like the crime way um so it was a lot of that I did google like a lot of like weird military hierarchy and like terminology because I know nothing about the military um I had to google like how much blood can you lose before you die or like what happens if you get stabbed here question mark or like what happens to your bodies when you die in space? Like just, you know, fun, just fun, live, laugh, love things. So Google's like, should we be concerned? Right. Yeah. That's a problem for uh, future me. <laughs> the FBI agent watching you must be really concerned. Yeah. She's writing a book yeah. though. So <laughs> yeah, I say that all the time too. I also like live in DC. So I'm also like, they're right there. Like the FBI is right there. <laughs> You're going to get a knock on your door one day and have to answer some funny questions. <laughs> yeah, I should just uh, tell them to pre-order. They'll, everything they need to know is in the book. Now to round it out, which character of yours do you think would be your best friend, the worst roommate, and your soulmate? I think best friend 
and also probably like platonic soulmate um, is Cornelia because we're both Sagittarius. We're both trying to take a road trip. We're both 100% down to like quit our jobs and leave the country at any given moment. Like we, I think we would be like really bad influences on each other because sometimes I'm like, hey, should we just like drive to Florida? And my roommate now is like, no, you shouldn't get in a car and drive 12 hours. But I feel like if I was with Cornelia, she'd be like, yeah, let's go girl. And we just like get in the car. It'd be a whole thing worst roommate I think they would all be bad roommates in different ways like I would not want to be roommates with Shane because I feel like he just like wouldn't speak to me and he would like leave his stuff everywhere and I wouldn't want to be roommates with Jared because it would constantly be like explosions and I wouldn't want to be roommates with like General Noth because she would be like here's how we do some homicide um so I don't know I think they would all be bad roommates and then for your soulmate, who would be your soulmate if you had to choose? My romantic soulmate? I don't know. I All like, I want to say Ava. Yeah, I do. I feel like we would be together forever and it would be like a really like sweet romantic partnership. <laughs> I think that I would be a terrible roommate for all of them. Like they would want to kick me out, especially Cyrus. I think Cyrus would hate yeah. having me as a roommate. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Cyrus's room is like perfect all the time. Yep. And like, I would like drop a single sock and he'd be like, get out, leave immediately. <laughs> and finally, we have two last questions, which we hope can help you as well as other authors, both aspiring and published. Uh, what is something that readers can do that helps you as a debut author? Um, I mean, if anyone has the means to pre-order books, pre-orders are really important for debut authors. Um, especially now there's a bunch of like weird Barnes and Noble stuff where they like to see a bunch of pre-orders before they decide to like stock your book in stores, which is hard if you're a debut. Obviously you don't have like that fan base or readership yet. So if you have the means to do that, that's always great. Or you can always like request, um, it at your local library. Um, Yeah. And then does, I'm assuming leaving reviews on Goodreads and areas like that, does that kind of help build things up too? Yeah. After it comes out, you can always leave reviews on um, Amazon. So Jeff Bezos knows that I'm worth something or like <laughs> Barnes and Noble, you can leave reviews or yeah, Goodreads as well. I'm going to specifically mention Jeff Bezos in my Amazon review. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Call him out. Yeah, so mm -hmm. And what conventional or unconventional advice would you give to an aspiring author? <clears throat> interesting I think that it's really important to know everyone's always like never give up never give up I do think it's important to know when to give up not in like a big dramatic sense but like in a sense of like if you are working on a project for a really long time and it's not bringing you joy and it's making you stressed out every time that you have to like open it and working on it just like isn't fun for you like knowing when to take a break and step back maybe not forever like you don't have to shelve it forever but like knowing when to stop working on something for your own like mental health and well-being I think is so important and is something that like I am still learning but something that I really had to learn specifically um with the first book that I ever wrote because I wrote that one over the course of several years um I have so much respect for others that can like write in college I was never one of those people I never had time to do that so it took me a really long time to write this book it was the only thing that I had ever written and by the time I got to like the end I didn't know how to stop working on it and if I had not stopped working on that I would never have written Made of Stars I would never have written any of the projects that I have written afterwards so I really think that like knowing just when to like step back and leave something is so important for people and writers in general 
I love that advice. That's that really good advice. Like that's that. just life advice, I think. That's, yeah. <laughs> you just, you you like just give up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep going. No, I'm just kidding. Stop. I, <laughs> I just, yeah, I do. That's not something that you typically hear when you hear advice about most things, actually, but, like, particularly writing, because they're, like, uh, we've gone to a couple of author panels, and they mostly just say, like, just, like, keep at it, like, you'll get to it, like, you just have to do so, so, and so, and so, to hear it was just, that's uh, very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Especially in the creative space, because I think there is that pressure when you do something creatively to just keep going, just keep pushing, and it will get there someday. But sometimes, even just your mind, it just needs a break sometimes. And so I think that's very important to, it's not, it's not, don't ever pick it up again, but just give it some right. time to become what it needs to. We are, we are now all wiser. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. And thank you so much, Jenna, for being here. We are dying for Made of Stars to hit shelves and for us to grab our own copy. We also can't wait to see everyone else fall in love with this iconic trio. Be sure to follow Jenna Voris online. On Instagram and Twitter, she goes by Jenna Voris, which is J-E-N-N-A-V-O-R-I-S. And she has a lovely website, which is www.jennamvoris.com. Don't forget the M. Don't forget it. It's very important. Now, Jenna, would you like to say our closing line? And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh happens.